everybody. Welcome to the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. We have something a little bit different today where we're going to have a special guest star in our uh, uh, War of the Worlds Kill Raven series, but I'm not going to tell you who it is. But please tell me, who is it? Nope, no hints. No hints. <laughs> Maybe one hint. Oh, what? That's, that's a hell of a hint. Indeed, it is the Spider-Man. Um, I'm derailing the opening of the show a little bit, but since this is going to sit on the shelf for six months anyway, who the fuck cares? You said you've been reading some of the Into the Spider-Verse stuff. Did you read any of the issues where they go into the 60s Spider-Man cartoon? No, no, I've not. Oh, it's any Spider-Man you have seen from like an uh, like a what if or whatnot. They go into, they go in, they recruit the '60s cartoon Spider-Man. You even get to see the Spider-Man from the Hostess uh, comic uh, uh, comic advertisements from the '80s. He gets killed. Shush, woman, we're recording. This interruption has been brought to you by Cruz's wife. I just want you to smell my pheromones, that's all. Who wants me to smell her pheromones? If you want Cruz to smell like pheromones, uh, write into the comicbookdungeonpodcast.com. We've literally been talking for two hours, and it's been quite uh, quite calm. But yeah, as soon as the red light went on in the booth, listen, booth listeners, we, uh, we got a Mrs. Cruz. Yes, yeah, yeah. She has impeccable timing that way sometimes. But yeah, I. Anyway, I I'm I, I want to hear more about as you get deeper into the Spider Verse stuff. I want to I, let me know when you get to the '60s Spider Man cartoon, or when you get to the when the 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 Spider Man who tries to fight crime with a, a non name brand Hostess Twinkie gets murdered. It's it's good stuff. <laughs> they, they even do one where he goes and do you remember the Spider-Man comic strip? Yes. They he, the the bad guys go into there and they make a comment how like time is extraordinarily decompressed and it's just it's it, it it really screws with them and they they make a comment about the about the, the oh, nature of time. Wow. It's good stuff. A little, a little fourth wall breaking. Yes, I dig it. There's a lot of it there. The uh you get to see a little bit of it. I, I read in, or I was listening to an interview with Dan Slott, the writer, and he wanted their in the in the seventies. Spider Man, uh, he had briefly, I think it was for two issues, uh, the Spider Buggy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wanted that to be an anthropomorphic Spider Buggy, uh, whose real name was Peter Parked Car. He wanted him to be a big character in the series, and Marvel had to tell him like, "You're." You bring it back in a little bit. You get to see a talking spider buggy briefly, but his role was poor, like scaled back. He was supposed to be again Peter parked car, and he was supposed to be a big, uh, big part of the universe. But uh, I will ahead. say this: you do see the spider buggy, not an anthropomorphic one, but you do see the spider buggy eventually in uh, Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, the I would movie. hope so. 
but everybody, uh, this is the Comic Book Dungeon Podcast. I am Mark. I am coming to you from the comic book family room, um, which might explain if you hear <laughs> weird sounds or cat noises. The, uh, the Comic Book Dungeon has been under heavy construction, and there's literally nothing down there. And I am Cruz, coming to you from the Comic Book Breakfast Bar. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, home on break. And getting ready to uh, go back in the field and do my corresponding yep. soon. You've been our field correspondent now for the last several months. So hopefully the fact that if, if somebody's listening to this, this means this episode was finally released. Uh, Mark has gotten a little bit behind. We've been on a hiatus since uh, Halloween. Or we haven't recorded as many and we have some on the shelf. So hopefully this means that you guys as listeners are getting new content and that i just haven't you know fucked up and it's just still sitting unlistened somewhere uh don't sweat it dude life happened <sighs> oh, just like Salute. that so uh we we spent a couple hours catching up uh before the episode <laughs> what comic book stuff have you been uh up to okay so <laughs> i uh uh, I took the plunge, got the uh, Comixology Unlimited, so I've been reading uh, a, a bunch more books. I'm currently reading some uh, uh, Infinity, not Infinity War, stupid, uh, some Civil War. I did read a bunch of the Spider-Gwen books, and uh, I know a while back I talked about an independent title called Silver. That's on there too, and it's just as enjoyable to read on a on a tablet as it is on paper. <clears throat> uh, other than that, uh, I, I went and I saw the uh, Spider-Man into this enter the Spider-Verse freaking movie, which was so freaking phenomenally good. Go watch it, please, Mark. Watch it. You will like it. I, I unlike other comic movies, which I, I notoriously pan, it's on my list. I am going to go see it. And dude, it was Stanley's last cameo. I, I I don't think that's true. They... I'm pretty sure because the as far as I know, he's not going to be in the next Avengers movie. What what I have heard is that they they have several of his appearances for upcoming movies in the can, like already recorded. Mm. Oh yeah, you've got Miss Marvel coming out, and uh, I think there's one or two other ones that are going to come out before the uh, End Game. Uh, movie. So, okay, maybe it wasn't, but it was like, for the first one that got released after his passing, I I will say it was probably the most poignant one. I, I would I would be lying if I didn't get a little verklempt in the theater watching that cameo because it was one of the most heartfelt not like schlocky ones he did. So, um, what else? Uh, on top of that, oh, I so I took my kids to go watch my 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 older kids, the twins, to watch Into the Spider Verse because we've been we've been choosing to watch that for a while, and us being the comic book movie goers that we are, because my oldest two love going to those, we did a back to back theater jump, and then we watched Aquaman too, and Aquaman was fucking great too. Not as good as freaking Spider-Verse, but it was a really good movie. For for a DC title, it, it was way better than I expected. I, I have heard that it is uh, 
Yeah, it, it has subverted people's expectations. It it one hundred percent has. I mean, I was going into it. You know, I liked the Aquaman character in uh, oh, what was the previous one? Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I I did like him. I I didn't know how they could pull off a full movie with him, but they did, and it was fucking great. Aquaman gets a lot of shit, but uh, when I was reading DC, I've read a lot of Aquaman. I'm I'm I am a a Aquaman fan. I think he's a an interesting character when. He's an easy punchline because all people focus in on is the orange and green costume and that he can, quote-unquote, talk to fish. But, yeah, I mean, when he's done well as kind of a super strong, brooding character, he's an, I, I think he's an interesting character. Yeah, and, and they did do a a callback to the orange and green costume. I don't know if you'd seen it. Uh, I have not. Uh, it, it They pulled it off quite nicely. I will say that. Yeah, it, it's something that I'll eventually see. I, I see some of the DC movies. Uh, like, I had seen Wonder Woman, and everybody I know thinks that was a phenomenal movie. I, I felt it was it, it needed a lot of improvement, but I'm a notorious hater. Hey, uh, I, I will say, phenomenal for a DC movie. Um, I mean, I, I'm predisposed to like Aquaman, because I like, what's his name, Jason Momoa? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've liked him since he was Ronan Dex on uh, Stargate Atlantis. Yeah, I, I I'd say if you, if there's a second you know movie you should go catch, it would be that one. But first and foremost is one hundred percent watch Into the Spider Verse in a theater. It was that good. I would go watch it again. It was that good. Um. As our chief media correspondent, we ha- uh, we've had a lot of Marvel updates since last time we recorded. What is your take on the cancellation of all the Netflix shows? <sighs> it, it's 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 not even. Uh, I don't know. I I really don't care for it because I know what the overarching plan is. And the overarching plan is for Disney to be streaming a bunch of stuff on their streaming service that they're going to be opening soon. Yes. The problem is, is, and I think I've said this before, the Netflix Marvel shows were more your your your, your C and B tier heroes that were like your neighborhood heroes, and it was a lot grittier. Street level. It was a lot, yeah, it was a lot grittier, but it was street level stuff that they were facing. What Disney wants to do, from what I've heard, is they want to stream shows that are on a more grand scale, which I don't know how you can do that and expect to have any sort of consistent production values throughout the course of an entire series and have this world-ending, you know, galaxy stakes freaking shit going on. I I, I think you're absolutely right. I'm... I think this was a misstep. One, oh, yeah. it's not like they just decided one day, like out of the blue, this was going to happen. This was an idea that's probably been, you know, working on and off for the last few years. Why, like, why start the Punisher season one if you were going to do this? And I just, I yeah. doubt Disney's commitment to do a gritty show like Jessica Jones or Daredevil or The Punisher. 
No, they're not. Uh, on that note, though, they did release season two of Runaways on Hulu, and I've been starting to watch that. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, I, I read an article about uh, how uh, they unexpectedly added a character a little bit early, and people's expectations on that and and whatnot. How you, how are you liking the new Runaway season two? I'm um, probably only an episode or two into it, so it's more like it, it's picking up where where the first season left off. So I, I haven't had anything like new development wise that it's been striking. But it's it's still been pretty solid. Have you caught any of the new uh, Runaways issues from the the new series? Almost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm running almost, almost. It's a Barnes and Noble Noble exclusive, I think, for the uh, for the trade paperback. Yeah, and I, I I've had it in hand, and I almost freaking walked out the store with it. I mean, I'm I'm six issues, or I'm several issues behind because I do the Marvel Unlimited. And we were just talking about that on the air, how, like, I used to spend a couple hundred a month just on Marvel Comics. So it's a small trade-off to get for, like, a hundred a year to get every Marvel comic published. But, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't sure how I felt about it at first. I didn't think we needed a new Runaway series. It felt like those stories had been told. And I wasn't sure how I felt about them getting the whole original, like, band back together. But the series has grown on me. And it's it's a real interesting direction where I think we talked about this on the air before. It, again, this comic came out and by the time you read you're listening to this, it's been at least a year old. Gert's alive, so right. yeah. I mean, if you if you didn't want it spoiled, if you fucking cared, you were probably reading the series. <laughs> Comic Book Dungeon Podcast at gmail dot com. If you want to call me an asshole for spoiling something that's probably been out a year and a year and a half, get yeah, on it. A, yeah, get over it. I think yeah, the statute of limitations is over. Yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, a lot of what they're doing because she she's been this catalyst for them to try to get the te- like the the family back together when everybody has moved on. Like Chase and Nico were brutally fucking tortured. Um, in Avengers Arena, you know, they've moved on, they've had these life experiences, and they've really kind of explored how, you know, when she died, she was 15 and Chase was 17, so their relationship was really on the, just bordering on not working because of the age difference, and now that she's been dead, it's like he's 21, and, you know, she's like, he or he's like 20-something now, 20, 21, and she's 15, you, we can't really be girlfriend and boyfriend anymore. It was a little right. fucked up before, and now, yeah, it just it doesn't work. And every issue has been about like them trying to get the family back together and resistance that the characters have had, and it's uh, real, real interesting. It's it's something that's grown on me as much. I'm, I'm digging it almost as much as I think the original series. Oh well, now see, he, he, now that I've got this tablet for doing this, now I like whenever you name drop something, I can be like, "Ooh, let me go look at it." It, it uh, yeah, I think you would dig it because I know we we both really liked the first uh, couple runs of the Runaways. Yeah, yeah, that, that was one of my favorite ones. The uh, the last issue that I read, it's they they M- Molly is back with them. She left her supervillain like grandmother. And she wants to go to school, and the rest of the team's like, well, you don't have to do that now. You're a runaway, and she really likes going to school. And it's parent-teacher conferences. So Nico 
cast a spell to make them her legal guardians. So it's like there are two like twenty year olds who show up as like the legal guardians for this thirteen year old, and a teacher starts to get suspicious. And you see like the spell start to work. She's like, "Oh, this seems completely legal and not suspicious to me at all. Let's continue the conference. It's it's kind of funny. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's worth checking out. Yep, I've added it to my freaking wish list already. Since we last talked, I, I've been digging deep to try to catch up with. Uh, Marvel Unlimited, I had yet. Marvel, I've talked about this a lot. Civil War 2 really kind of broke my spell for Marvel for uh, uh, for a while, and I've been hardcore going back into it, and I'm almost caught up to that six-month gap. Um, so that's some exciting news. Um, I've So I'm in the middle of damnation now. I've read a lot of shit, like Jean Grey's Alive Again in uh, Marvel Comics, and that blew my mind. There was a nice scene at the end of that where... Dead Jean Grey's talking to dead Cyclops, and they just talk about how much they love each other, and this just, you know, like, we were better off dead. Uh, (laughs) Rogue and Gambit are married. There's a lot of crazy shit going on, and yeah, I'm really... For a while, the X-Books, which are my favorite, were garbage. So, I'm really liking where we're at. Um, I don't usually have a lot of media stuff to talk about. Because I'm a curmudgeon who hates stuff. I'm not sure if we talked about this on the last episode. I saw the new Fantastic Beasts movie, and that was really good. I am not... I don't hate Harry Potter. I thought the books were uh, were good, but I'm not a fan of the movies. And I've really liked the first and second Fantastic Beasts movies. It's the world of Harry Potter without annoying fucking kids. So it's... Yeah, it's <laughs> nice. good stuff. Yeah, I still need to check those out. Uh, <sighs> okay. So yeah, I think that uh, gets us up to date. Uh, we talked about how I'm a shitbag, and I've caused a brief uh, 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 backup in our uh, release schedule, but that's okay. Um, we talked about this off the air, but I'm fucking climaxing over the fact that we're getting a, talking about media shit, a Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. I'm reserving yeah. judgment uh, because this is not made by the same company, but it they seem like a... They've got some uh, credibility, and it's a Marvel Ultimate Alliance game, which I have the first two are two of my favorite games ever, so I'm quite excited. I am excited, too, to have another Marvel Alliance game that I can uh, get highly inebriated on and freaking pass out while playing. Yes. I'm not. Maybe we talked about this on the air last time, but yeah, some of my favorite <laughs> moments from Ultimate Alliance 2 were... Uh, you were, you, you would just, you were tired and you were drunk and you kept falling asleep and your character kept running backwards <laughs> in a corner and it was us trying to move your character and shepherd it into the right direction because we were like, it was the Washington DC level and we were trying to trigger the Deadpool fight and we had to keep corralling you so we could just kick off the end boss fight so we could beat that and save the level and turn off the game. See what you did. What you didn't know is that I was one hundred percent sober at the time, and I wanted to increase the difficulty by giving you a, diff- a difficult escort mission. Um, I think that this might have been the beginning of uh, that game of uh, corralling characters, which turned into if most of you, I- I'm willing to bet, have never played a video game with Cruiser or myself. 
but we're humongous assholes, and this is what led into the Borderlands. Anytime being somebody was being in a menu, shotgunning them in the face, <laughs> punching them repeatedly, jumping on their head up and down, or you, if somebody would get out of the car, stealing it and or blowing it up, or dragging them miles throughout the fucking wastelands. Oh, we are horrible. <laughs> We've done a lot of this shit to our friend Schneider, and he has different expect- expectations for uh, how people should treat each other in games. I have gotten him uh. red-faced screaming at me on many occasions for, oh yeah, man, you can make that jump, or yeah, there's a platform <laughs> down there, don't worry about it. <laughs> you can make that, you just, just jump, man, let it go. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, dude, you can make it. Just, yeah, just, just, yeah, you, you see this point right here? Just aim for that, and you'll be good. I don't think I can count on, on one hand how many times I've been driving, and I've just jumped out of the vehicle while he's in the back and just jumped it into nothing. Oh, <laughs> But, uh, oh. where you and me, we just kind of expect that. Like, I can't remember how many times I've, I've come out of Destiny, or out of a menu in Destiny, and I'm, like, just about to fall off a cliff that you have been <laughs> pushing me towards for, like, two minutes. Yeah. yeah, that is just... I tell my wife that, and she thinks we're the biggest assholes, and she doesn't understand. That's just just that's no, just how that's, we play. That's our dynamic, man. I mean, yeah. you know, when we, when we get online together, there is uh, an expected amount of tomfoolery. Yes. I remember when we would play with my ex-girlfriend, she, it's not like she would get super angry, but we, that was our big thing to do to her was to blow up any vehicle that she had, uh, she had. Oh, yes. 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 And then we would pretend, we would play dumb for a second, like, where'd my car go? I don't know. know. (laughs) (laughs) There's a certain amount of hazing that, uh, that goes on when we're, we, we're together. Oh yeah, and it was one hundred percent unspoken. We did not plan this out. It's just like automatically we just start hazing somebody. Yeah. I have told my wife, and she will. We this gets brought up at least twice a year when Cruz and I we we were playing Borderlands with my ex girlfriend, and there was an incident where I had picked up a weapon where it didn't have any melee on it, so I didn't give a fuck about it. Because I was playing as Brick at the time. But both of you at the same time had said that you wanted it. Ugh. And just because I'm fucking somebody doesn't mean <laughs> that I don't think that doesn't seem fair that they should get, uh, always get the weapon. That just, that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem fair to me. So the only fair way that I could determine who should get it was I let you guys duel for it, and she lost, and she was angry with me. And my wife has told me, she's like, you made the wrong choice in that situation. <laughs> she's like, it's just understood. Nobody's going to get mad at you for siding with your girlfriend. And it just, it didn't seem right. Uh, no, you made the right choice, man. Thank you. You did. I stand, I solidly stand by your decision. <laughs> well, you got it, and you, uh, you really enjoyed it. Too bad. I don't. I never tried this in the original Borderlands. Too bad we didn't know about the duping trick that became such a fundamental part of my later Borderlands 2 and the Borderlands pre-sequel uh, 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 tr- uh, repertoire. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I like this version. I, I like the way it came out this way. Better. Yeah. Well, it added human conflict. <clears throat> well, yeah. I mean, it, it was a meritocracy, okay? You, you got rewards based on on how well you earned them yes that's what life should be shouldn't matter who's who's playing with whose dick 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <clears throat> well, that's a it's a good uh, I guess segue. As yeah, good as segue as any. Dicks, let's uh let's talk about Killwave and <laughs> So this actually this is not a amazing adventure. Oh, I should get the comic out of the way of the microphone. This is not a Killraven issue or an ama- or a amazing adventures featuring War of the Worlds. This is a Marvel feature or Marvel team up featuring Spider Man and Killraven. So for those who don't know, in the seventies, Marvel had uh, uh, a team up book called Marvel aptly named Marvel Team Up, where it was Spider Man teaming up with another uh, Marvel character. And uh, in issue 45, as part of a time travel adventure that had carried over from the last four issues, he had teamed up with, uh, he'd gone into the far Marvel future and teamed up with Killraven. I guess to do my, my due diligence as a uh, hard-hitting journalist, I just want to briefly talk about, uh, just before we get into this issue, kind of what happened the the few issues before that, just to give this issue some context. Um, okay, keep going. So Scarlet Witch, she's in at Lad, uh, Ladveria. Uh, she is attacked. Uh, she sends a message to Spider-Man. Spider-Man comes to assist her. They are both whisked back, uh, back in time to the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, the Vision is there. They team up to take out a couple evildoers. They... Uh, this is a, a, again, over multiple issues. Uh, the combat is going against them. Dr. Doom shows up and he helps as well as the, uh, the Marvel or the Avengers character, uh, Moon Dragon. So they, uh, so they have quite the time traveling superhero team up. Uh, the bad guy is finally defeated. Dr. Doom whisks the rest of the heroes uh, back to their uh, back to the uh, the present of 1976 Marvel uh, of the Marvel Universe. Spider-Man decides to stay uh, in the past because he's going to try to alter the t- uh, the timeline and stop the Salem Witch Trials. Uh, he's not successful, and that's where this issue picks up at, where he's still back in time, and uh, he's he's about to get whisked uh, to another timeline. With, uh, I believe it's Doctor. This is supposed to be a representation of Doctor Doom's time platform. Uh huh. So there we go. So that story makes a little bit more sense in context. Excellent. I was wondering about that platform. So yeah, thanks for clarifying. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't do a little blurb in the beginning, just kind of explaining that. Oh, there was like a little, like a an editor's note, like saying, "Hey, you should have read this. Shame on you if you haven't." Exactly. I just, if this was a modern comic, I think we would have gotten a little. We would have gotten a uh, two paragraphs in the beginning explaining it. And I, I get. I have to say, I, I like progress. I think that would have been helpful. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have Wikipedia in 1970 to help people get caught up. <laughs> Right, or digital distribution platforms to make it freaking available at the press of a button. Exactly. <clears throat> ah, look at the future now. But uh, to do our due diligence, so this is a Marvel team-up featuring Spider-Man and Killraven. The War of the Worlds has never been wilder. This is the, the issue 45. This is from May 
1976. So this was published as the same month as our previous episode where we see Camilla Frost and uh, Kill Raven uh, square off as they're killing Martian babies. Oh, the dilemma's there. Um, what did you think about this cover? Oh, this one had a yeah. uh, cover price of 25 cents, just to do my due diligence. Uh, the cover was interesting. You know, there, there, it, it wasn't anything, it, for me, there was nothing that was, like, super awesome about the framing and everything, but, you know, it, it does have both Spidey and freaking KR and these cool poses as they're going at it, ripping the pilot of a tripod out. Uh, with another tripod kind of looming over them in the background. So it, it looks like they're getting some work done, you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's very on the nose. You see Spider-Man, you see Kill Raven, they're in an action pose, they're kicking some ass. It's not as dramatic as what we see in the Amazing Adventures covers. It's It does its job, it does it adequately, and no more, no less. Yeah, yeah. I do like how you have like the little bubble with uh, Kill Raven in front of the planet Earth, and then you've got Spidey in the other corner. Yep, it was a nice touch, and uh, we'll, like, we wouldn't see this in modern comics, but we get a couple blurbs here. Spidey battles the Martian in the most Earth-shaking struggle of all. You'll never forgive yourself if you fail to read Future Shock. Ah, uh, now it's trying to guilt me into reading it, jeez. Um. I like, if you notice in the upper right-hand corner, we have 45 May. So I, what I believe they're trying to say is the 45th president may be impeached. So a little conspiracy theory there. But uh, if you look next to that, we've got CC in a circle. So is this a closed caption for us, for the visually, or for the auditory <laughs> impaired? Perhaps. Yes. It's, it's got letterboxing all over the place. No. <laughs> um <laughs> Oh, speaking of that, I, I will say one other diverging because that's what we do. Um, one thing that was great, like right from the start for the uh, Into the Spider-Verse movie, before there's anything on the screen, it opens up with the comic book uh, authorities freaking seal of approval on it. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> uh, anything else about the cover? Um, that does it for me. All right, moving on to page one, where uh, Stanley presents Spidey and Kill Raven together. Sorry, I was trying to figure out what the dash has said. Uh, in Future Shock, and who are our creators there? We've got Bill Mantlo, Story, Art, Sal Bushima, and Mike Esposito. Letters, Gene Izzo. Color, George Rarusos. Editor, Marv Wolfman. Oh. I mean, these are all all-stars from the Marvel bullpen at the time. Yeah. I will say the art was really good throughout the whole issue. Agreed. I am, I am completely off on a random, meaningless tangent here. So, without having read the original issues, which I'm, I have a lot of these Marvel team ups. That's on my my on my list of things to do. And if you actually want to go through some of these Marvel team ups, 
Marvel Noise, which is a podcast that does the Marvel Comics uh, podcasting really well. They did, I think, about a year ago, a whole like an episode or two just going through the Marvel team ups, and they specifically, I believe, talk about that that series. So you might want to check them out. Nice. But uh, to go as a random aside. I don't know how many days he's been back in time here, but I can only assume... I mean, I think it's been a few. I'm just wondering what that costume smells like after a few days of time traveling through early colonial days and the far future. It smells like a sweaty pair of neoprene freaking long johns. (laughs) Uh, It's... I I can only imagine how many skid marks and whatnot are just uh, stains that he's going to have a hard time explaining to Aunt May and conning her into getting out of his costume. (laughs) I don't understand, Peter, how you've got your Halloween costume so soiled. Mm. I don't even want to know what that smell is. Oh, Aunt May, it's swamp ass. But uh, I'm, I'm getting us derailed before we get started. Um, we open up on a splash page that has a uh, Alice in Wonderland quote. We have a very despondent Spider-Man um, sitting in front of the time platform. And he's, he's depressed that he wasn't able to save the witches from the Salem witch trials. And that he's trying to comfort himself with the... You know, in his timeline, these people have been, you know, in his present, have been dead hundreds of years but that doesn't make it any easier because he had to experience he had to watch them die in front of him yeah so uh moving on to page two because yeah spidey's looking pretty sad and glum uh i'm not familiar with who this other guy is and i'm sure it's all referring but it refers back to the, the preceding stories yeah cotton mather is the one who brought spidey and Scarlet Witch and the Vision back in time. Okay. He looks a little bit like Aunt May, as a matter of fact. Yeah, if she let herself go, yeah. <laughs> if you look at her early, like, she gets less wrinkled as time goes on, but, I mean, she literally looked like a dehydrated prune uh, for most of her first appearances. She looked more similar than dissimilar to this person, I believe. So Right. So we get some snappy banter between, uh, well, mo- mostly just Spider-Man. I don't want to say taunting, but he's some sour grapes to uh, um, Cotton Mather. You know, he was on the losing end. Uh, he was the one who's basically responsible for the uh, witch trials. And the next couple of years are not going to be kind to him. He's going to kind of get his one up and Spider-Man rubs that in a little bit. Yeah, he, he does seem to rub a little salt in the wound as he... As he verbally freaking thrashes him and hops on his time platform to take off. Uh, this is true. We see Spider-Man um, hold on to it, almost like it's a raft, a raft going down a, uh, a turbulent river. And he's experiencing uh, events through the timeline. He's watching them unfold. We see the Revolutionary War, uh, Abe Lincoln, World War One. He sees New York, and then he sees New York getting blown up by tripods. Right, and I guess there was a little bit of wind, and it got kind of turbulent, and he ended up getting thrown off. This is true, and he was wonders, he's in the ruins of, uh, uh, we don't know it's New York, I'm assuming it's New York. Actually, that wouldn't make sense for where we know 
kill Raven is in the uh, timeline. He or in his own issue, he's moving is he he's going in the exact opposite direction of uh, Yellowstone National Park. Which which if he ended up back in New York, that would make perfect sense given his navigational skill. This is true. Do you think he's avoiding Nash, uh, Yellowstone National Park because the government is still shut down and nobody's picking up that shit? Yeah, probably. He probably heard that the porter potties were getting really rank and he didn't want to go there. Yes, the overlord is uh, is shut down the Martian government trying to get funding to uh, for his anti-Kill Raven wall. <laughs> Oh, yeah, these free men, you know, they don't have to uh, go through the nice checkpoint. They can just drive through the desert and turn right, and there's no wall there to stop them. We have free yeah, we men, have, we have terrorists. we got to put a stop to that right away. <laughs> Indeed. Oh. I'm really surprised that he found some freaking people that were willing to pilot those tripods without getting paid. <laughs> well, they're doing uh, they. They're doing chores for their landlords, so they're not getting evicted. <laughs> um, uh. So this may seem like a stupid question or a stupid uh, thing for Spider-Man to ask, because as soon as he's in the he's thrown off the time platform and he's in the wreck of a modern city, he wants to know if he's overshot his own time. And even at one point, he says, "Or maybe I'm uh, have I gone back in time?" Which seems stupid. Uh, on the surface of it, but there's a lot of weird shit in Marvel history. I mean, Conan's Hiberian past is Marvel considered Marvel canon. So that's, I mean, that's not necessarily, that's not a future landscape, but there's enough ancient civilizations that had re- like revolutionary technology. It's not out of the realm of possibility if he was in a wreck civilization with modern buildings that it could not have been the past. Fair enough. Fair enough. So yeah, he uh, he he asks himself that question, and his he uh, gets uh, I'm not going to say ambushed, but surprised a little bit by a tripod. Yeah, there's a there's a couple of them. There's about three of them, and they are fucking they are going after. What we see it's uh, Kill Raven on his serpent stallion. Yep, and what did he say? What did he call it? Whatever that four-legged beastie is. Yeah, he's never seen a serpent stallion before, so he's uh, this this whole scene is catching him by surprise. I mean, he was hoping to go back to his own time. He just stepped out of the Salem witch trials to see a wrecked city and tripods and a dude riding a crazy uh, stallion, st- uh, serpent stallion, it ca- catches him with a little surprise. I think he actually does a good job of just rolling with it. He does. You know, I will say. Throughout the entire course of this this issue, Spidey just adapts and overcomes the whole way through. Spider-Man, for most of Marvel's history, Spider-Man has kind of been the central figure of it. Uh, most He's there for most critical events. Anytime there's a team-up. It's usually if it's it he's usually there or on the peripheral. He's usually kind of the eyes and ears of the Marvel universe. This shifted a little bit recently to more of an Iron Man focus, but again, for most of Marvel's history, he's been the central character. Mm-hmm. Nice. So he's I, the friendly neighborhood one. So I, I I just bring that up because I think that I mean he's he's not a stranger to t- uh, 
aliens, time travel. I mean, he's he's seen a lot of weird shit. Well, yep, and Kill Raven bearing down on him on top of a serpent stallion is definitely probably something weird. Uh, indeed. So Spider-Man, or Spider-Man, Kill Raven, sees Spider-Man, and he's not sure uh, who he is, but he has he senses that he's not a sympathizer or mutant underneath his uh, Spider-Man costume. So he asks if Spider-Man will stand up and help him fight these devils. And uh, Spidey, of course, uh, says, sure. So, yeah, he, uh, he jumps on the back of the Serpent Stallion, and they're trying to get behind cover uh, so they won't get blasted by the tripods. But every time they get behind cover, uh, the, the tripods destroy it. And we get a nice, uh, some Laurel Hardy-esque gags, like, get behind cover, ba-bam, like, or, I'm sorry, Stracked, what cover? As it keeps getting destroyed. Yeah, well, they were there a moment ago. <laughs> yes, some 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 humor, and this I, I like this issue, but you could definitely tell that the person wrote it was not uh, really up on the feel of the Kill Raven book. It's a Kill Raven is a funny, understanding, and quite intellectual character who falls very far from the Kill Raven uh, that we know and love from the amazing uh, of the the Amazing Adventure series that we've. Uh, we've come to know you mean the brooding freaking douchebag yes oh okay who picks fights and is kind of an asshole for no reason pretty much but yeah so spidey takes down uh with a couple of well-placed uh webs manages to knock down one of these uh tripods and he and Killraven team up and freaking wreck it yeah i mean he he just he fucking topples this thing's like it's nothing and we get a nice you toppled it with an exclamation point but kill raven he acts like he it, it i don't he he like spider-man recovers from his well there's aliens trying to kill us surprise quite quickly i think uh he does a good job of uh recovering from a man you have the proportional strength of a spider and uh as somebody my size can lift uh you you, you can topple uh one ton, or a several ton machine easily. He does a good job of uh, just rolling with it, not asking too many questions. Well, I mean, it's not like he hasn't seen a metahuman before. I mean, that, he, I, I, he's seen volcanic ash and and mint julep. I agree, but it's we, one thing that we have not seen in Kill Raven is there's no reference to any metahumans before the Martian experiments. This is true. So I, I'm. it's unclear to me if, like, Mashula and him have ever sat down and had conversations where Mashula's like, yeah, there was this team called the Avengers, and, you know, they could throw, sh- like, one of them threw a shield, and one of them had, like, blast powers, and, you know, one of them, like, could fly. So it's, to me, it always felt like that Kill Raven was not set in the Marvel Universe. It was set in a world similar to ours without powers, but this... This issue cements it fully that that is the, supposed to be the future of the Marvel Universe. Right, yeah. Th- that gets retconned later, but yeah. I, I, but at, at this time, uh, we see that. And we also see this if anybody's read the original run of Guardians of the Galaxy. Because the original Guardians team takes place in the 31st century um, with the uh, uh, Bidoon having taken over. 
and that was supposed to be Marvel's future. Major mm. Victory was a um, future version of Vance Astro, who was on the New Warriors, but before that, he had made some brief, a couple brief 1970s Marvel appearances, and that was supposed to be the same character who gets you know, brought into the future, and that later gets retconned as another time, as another dimension, like Kill Raven does. Okay. So, uh, Witty Banter proceeds. This is true, and they topple the, the tripod, and we see a Martian collaborator here, who's uh, safely inside. Kill Raven breaks open the plexiglass shield, which he references he's done this before, uh, with, during his fight with Scar. Yep. Yep. Uh, rips him out. And uh, while he's ripping him out, he's, you know, the pilot has got, I guess, a holdout blaster that he's going to try and take down Kill Raven with. But Spidey catches it in time with the well-placed web to the eyeballs. And this is, this is uh, one of my points of contention with this issue. It's basically one of my only points of contention, where Spidey webs this guy's eyes, and Kill Raven kills him. Just slashes him with his sword, uh, cutting him open. We get a nice, yarg! But that dude is clearly dead. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely some, some, some person-cleaving action going on there. I mean, Spider-Man was just despondent because he couldn't save these people's lives, even though history said they had to die. Spider-Man is definitely one of those no-killing heroes. Yeah. he. I mean, that's his big contention with the Punisher. Anybody who takes a life, I mean, Spider-Man will defend even the worst person. Uh, it will say, you know, like, you need to take him to justice. We don't kill. I mean, that's, that's Spider-Man's number one rule. And he just does not blink an eye as Kill Raven's murdering these uh, these uh, Martian henchmen, just indiscriminately. Nope, he he just rolls with it. Yeah, especially he would be pissed that he had incapacitated this dude, which made him complicit with the murder of you know he helped. He's like I blinded him, and now man, I just disemboweled him. In any other issue, <laughs> Spider Man would have been horrified that he had uh, been part of that. Mm-hmm. Since it's a future murder, I guess it doesn't count. Yeah, maybe he feels he can go back in the past and do something to avert it. Which, as we've seen, Spider-Man is in 2019, 2019 now, and he's not fighting Martians, so this timeline has been averted. See? Sweet. No more paradox. Um, so, yeah, yeah he takes, they take down one together. Uh, another tripod is coming up behind him and starts firing on him. And, and Spidey's like, yo, I got this, you know? And he, he takes the next one down solo. He kicks, he, he's kicking ass. Like, he uh, he uses his webbing to web sling up there, and he just rips open the, ca- the cockpit and then punches the dude out of it. So there's no way that dude is surviving that fall. No, no, he's not surviving that fall. And even if he did he'd probably be looking around the ground to find his jaw. If that dude's alive, he's a, uh, a quadriplegic. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, and... Oh, go ahead. Uh, there you go. You got it. Lead off. So, he, he Spider-Man jumps to safety after toppling that tripod. Kill Raven is getting... Uh, uh, is running away as he's getting blasted, as this uh, last tripod's trying to blast him. 
Spider-Man throws him the the uh, like atomic blaster that uh, or the photo uh, that th- this weapon, this handgun uses photonuclear firepower. It's what the uh, the do du- the first guy that Kill Raven murdered. It was the weapon that he was going to used to kill Kill Raven. Kill Raven uses that to blow up the tripod. So again, Spider-Man handed Kill Raven a weapon that he used to murder somebody. So literally, all three opponents have been murdered uh, so far. So the body count of Spider-Man in the future is three. He's been there five minutes and he's murdered three people or been or helped murder. Uh, yeah. Murdered himself or was an accessory to the murder of three people. There you go. Well, I guess this, when traveling in time, you can be complicit in anything. Yes. He's, he's not subscribing to the Doc Brown rules of time travel. No. Marty! Marty! You gotta stop killing people! It doesn't, doesn't matter if we're in the future. People are people, Marty. <laughs> yeah, they, they even quip about it a little back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is a cold-blooded Spider-Man. It is, it is. I mean, he's just like, yeah, I made quite a splash when you blew up that freaking tripod with that guy in it. He does everything but go back and, like, uh, grab, like, a blasted burnt femur as a war trophy. <laughs> so, with, uh, with the tripods dealt with, Kill Raven and our friendly neighborhood Spider-Man uh, decide they should get on a first-name basis, I guess. Yeah, we we get uh we get an they introduce each other uh, uh themselves to each other. Spider Man says he doesn't know where and when he is. Kill Raven tells him, "Oh, that's weird, but you're in 2019." And we get just a brief little synopsis of Kill Raven's background. He was trained in the gladiatorial pens. Uh, we see a brief look at the we see a, a panel which shows the free men, including uh, Mint Julep and uh, uh, Volcanic Ash. Oh yeah, yeah, the best of the best, of the Freeman, right there. Um, we actually this next panel is a really good one where kill. It's it's not hard math to do. So this is a Spider Man from 1976 who Kill Raven's like, yep, the Martians invaded in 2001. So he's like, man, less than 30 years past the time I I live, humanity's going to be you know almost extinct. And this world's going to be conquered by Martians. What's the point of all of, of me struggling? And all that... I, every day is a struggle for me to do the right thing and to help people. What does it matter if they're all going to be killed in 30 years anyway? Yeah, exactly. And it, it looks like Spidey's having like a little existential crisis right now. And if this had happened in, a, in uh, Amazing Adventures and not a Spider-Man book... I think Kill Raven would have just basically told him to man up and stop asking like woman questions and just you know we we you you can kill a lot of people in a lot uh, less time than we can. You need to be doing that, or he would not have been sympathetic. No, and but in in this book he is quite philosophical, and he just I mean he's really helping Spider Man grapple with these existential issues. Well, yeah, apparently Kill Raven's like a freaking therapist, too. Yeah, I, I, I just, this is the best part of the issue for me. Yeah, I'm just going to read the whole, uh, the whole word balloon. You ask <laughs> oh, questions boy. I can't answer, Spider-Man. Indeed, who can say uh, there is an answer? I mourn a lost past. 
you a shattered future, neither of us really knowing if one relates to the other. Which is interesting, because that's uh, postulating that maybe that this is an alternate timeline, not necessarily uh, the the future of the world that Spider-Man comes from. Right. Uh, I only know that nothing is certain, my friend. Not past, not future. And if life does have any point at all, it is bound up by the living of it. I mean, that is fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, not only is KR freaking diving into, like, a little bit of multiverse theory, he's also, like, waxing poetic and, you know, espousing a live-in-the-moment live kind of philosophy, which is... He, Way nicer than I expected out of him. He's Neil deGrasse Tyson, Aristotle, and Conan all rolled into one in this issue. Boom. You know what? I could not have put it better myself. <laughs> he just fucking nailed it. Yeah, he's he's a far departure. He's the... This is a Kill Raven who's realized his potential, not the Kill Raven we see struggling with his potential in the issues that we're familiar with. It's like, what happened? Did he, like, find a couple of self-help books or something while he was on the road traveling, or what? Yeah, he read uh, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, he got in touch with uh, with the inner Kill Raven. He's uh, he's good. That's good to see. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that at the expense of losing some friends along the way, he has managed a, a modicum of personal growth. Yeah, I, we see some guys sneaking up on them with uh, gas packs on and grappling hooks. And I love the pan, the top of the panel on, well, I can't read the page number, but the next page. Because uh, they almost look like, uh, the masks make them almost look like they're part of the Hellfire Club. And you can disagree with me. I thought this was super fucking cool. Because one, Kill Raven is getting snuck up on from behind, which lends credibility or credibility to maybe this guy had read a few issues of Kill Raven, because that is his weakness. Yeah, yeah. He just I he, mean I, I half expected to see a blunt instrument hit him in the back <laughs> yes, of the head. I was waiting for like a tire iron uh to hit him in the back of the head a few times for no reason. But uh, maybe this is an alternate Kill Raven who hasn't been hit in the head so often, and that's why he's more eloquent and less prone to fits of anger. There you go. Uh, but I thought this was really cool. These grappling hooks wind around their necks, and they have little gas nozzles that uh, hit them with this, uh, this uh, ho- uh, hallucinogenic gas. I mean, is that practical? Probably not, but I thought that was cool yeah. as fuck. Yeah, it was cool. And Spidey starts, you know. First off, the, the grappling hooks were cool. Practical, no. Limited range and all that. But as a means of restraining your opponent, and I guess they were delivering the freaking hallucinogenic gas as well, I thought that was fairly innovative. It seems a little dangerous, because if they're actually using that to, say, for urban exploration in this uh, post-apocalyptic uh wasteland say they're actually if they, are they actually using those to climb because that seems very dangerous that like you're you're climbing a five-story building or something and as soon as you get to the top you accidentally gas yourself with a hallucinogenic gas that seems very easy to do with a yeah 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 so yeah they they get drugged like really drugged and uh, they kind of fall into this weird hallucination. Oh, yeah, they and, are uh, tripping balls. 
Yeah. Moving on, I do like the way they formatted this when when you go over to the start of this uh, hallucination. Uh, you've got all of Killraven's panels on the left side of the page and all of Spidey's on the right side of the page. Yes. Their story arcs, and it's conveying that it's all happening simultaneously, which is nice. And their story arc flows this way, just top to bottom, left and right, for like the next four or five pages, which was great. It was very well done. Killraven, he lands on a, he calls it uh, an amorphous yielding surface. It's almost like a giant pillow. Spider-Man, he falls into a web. Uh, This was cool. Killraven sees volcanic ash, and Spider-Man sees the Green Goblin. Right. And, uh, well, volcanic, volcanic ash is, of course, you know, doing a little of that, that sultry seducing. Yes. She, she runs very hot and cold, his, uh, or this, this version of her. Right. Whereas Spidey gets trapped in a web, which I thought was a little ironic. Yeah, and he, he sees a Green Goblin, and uh, Green Goblin, in, in continuity at this time, was dead. He died after his big confrontation with Spider-Man. Gwen Stacy dies in issue 121, and it's, I believe it's 122 that the Green Goblin, uh, he gets killed. He gets impaled by his own uh, uh, glider. You see a little bit, uh, a version of this in the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. But, uh, mm-hmm. so he's, he's dead. It's not until the 90s that we see he was really alive. But yeah, for a huge swath of time, he was considered dead. Huh. All right. Interesting. So, yeah, Volcanic Ash is taunting Kill Raven and trying to kill him with her heat uh, powers. Um, Spider-Man, in, his, in this web, he is fighting the Green Goblin, who is, uh, again, taunting him. And we see him. He said, you can't be the Green Goblin. Norman Osborn's dead. Uh, Harry Osborn has... Uh, he, he, he's had his, the, an issue with... Uh, on and off being the Green Goblin. At this point, he was cured. Right. Uh, it, we, when I was in Iraq, I had a bunch of discs of uh, Amazing Adventures, uh, or not Amazing Adventures, of The Amazing Spider-Man. So I've right. read both. I've read of The Amazing Spider-Man and then Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, up until 1980. So I was, I've read all the contemporary, uh, for this time, contemporary Spider-Man issues. So I... That's why I have a little bit of a window into this, because about, you know, ten years ago I had read all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, because I wasn't familiar with the whole Green Goblin story arc as far as it relates to the comic books. It's really good. The Spider-Man run, like the, those early Spider-Mans, I mean, it's they really hold up. They're really good. I, if our readers have not read read it, it's worth going back and, and, and reading those old issues of Spider-Man. Right. So, they both basically figure out that what they're seeing is not real. I love that fucking... Gil Raven is suspecting this isn't real, so his solution is just to throw his sword willy-nilly at this hallucination. Because at this point, I was wondering if maybe they were... like He was hallucinating as Spider-Man as Volcanic Ash, and Spider-Man was hallucinating Gil Raven as the Green Goblin. And wouldn't that have wouldn't the egg have been on Kill Raven's face if he woke up out of his hallucination and there's just this impaled Spider Man? Yeah, that would have been pretty. <laughs> that would I, I would have gotten a chuckle. Yeah, that because that would have been kind of in lieu of, or that would have 
been what how our kill raven would have handled things yeah exactly <laughs> i'm gonna throw the sword and ask questions later yeah yeah but that uh that is not the case no not the case this time uh it turns out that uh yeah he kills off uh Volcana ash she falls out of the sky Spider-Man is unmasking the Green Goblin, and it turns into Mary Jane. Yes. And he proceeds to beat the living fuck out of her. He sure does. <laughs> Kill Raven proceeds to strangle the freaking impaled corpse of uh, his former flame. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Just to be clear, Spider-Man knew at this point that, that this really wasn't Mary Jane. It wasn't like he was like, you were the Green Goblin, and just starts like uh, slapping her around. He, <laughs> he, he knows, he's like, this isn't real. Um, he, he, know, he, he sees this as a representation of his innermost doubt. Right. Which is why he starts to go ham on it, but... <laughs> You're hoping that, I would hope that at least some part of him is holding back, because it's... At this point, I mean, he has kind of an on-again, off or he's, he's trying... They're not together. They're not married yet, but they're they're they're. If I'm remembering correctly, they are starting to date a little bit. It's it would be. I want to believe that he's not beating something that looks just like his girlfriend as hard as he can. But uh, yeah, sure, I'd like to believe that, but it looks like he is. <laughs> it's, it's, the gigantic wham as he's punching this thing that looks like Mary Jane in the face. Yeah, it does not, I guess, does, does not support my hopes there. No, I don't think he's holding back on this one, man. No, man, he, he, he uppercutted her head clean off. Yeah, well, well, hey, you know, by doing that, though, he, he wakes himself up out of this uh, weird, huge state that he's in. And him and Kilraven come to, in the only way you can come to... Surrounded by fucking piles of bodies. Corpses, yes. Like, we see the the sword embedded in one of them. And there's no way that, a spi- like you said, Spider-Man was unloading uh, with his full spider strength on these guys. He beat these people to death. Yep. He beat them to death with his bare fists. So, yeah, so what they, when they were in this, like you said, this fugue state, they were fighting these, these the, the guys who gassed them. And miraculously, again, didn't harm each other. I know. Where's the collateral damage? Unless you consider all the dead bodies to be the collateral damage. But we both agree that most of these guys, if they're not all dead, they're, they're most of them are dead. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. mostly dead. Yeah. I'd say about 95% of them are fucking dead. <laughs> there's no moaning. There's no, like, uh, uh, holding their wounds or trying to pick themselves up. These guys are corpses. They're carcasses. Yeah, there's, there's not even like a little fucking little ring of Tweety Birds around someone's head, okay? No. These guys are fucking done. They are pulverized, yeah. Yeah. Stick a fork in them, they're done. Yeah, they fucking got ran through the meat grinder. So, yeah, so Kill Raven seems to be okay with this. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna take souvenirs. He's gonna add like a necklace, like some some ears to his necklace of ears. <laughs> oh man and Spidey seems surprisingly kind of just like okay it's, you know. it's so weird because we start out this issue with him um, contemplating death and how he's 
he, he's like this agent of life, and his whole thing is about struggling against death, even if he knows he can't be victorious. He's still, like, I know these history recorded these people dying. I'm still going to try to save them. And within two pages, he's just a murdering sociopath. I'm going to future do that to you, I guess. <laughs> do you think that he thinks that maybe this is some sort of hallucination and he just doesn't care? Maybe he thinks the whole thing is a hallucination. Yeah. I guess, <laughs> potentially, I could see that. Yeah, it's, just, I, it's hard for me to reconcile, because, I mean, he's just... He's the no-killing guy, and, I mean, he is just murdering with wild abandon. I mean, the Punisher would put a restraint, like, hey, man, he's already dead, like, lay out, like, hold, like, hold back, man, just stop. I mean, he would, he, he would, he, he would be arguing some restraints at this point. Yeah, he wasn't holding back at all. No. So, the time platform shows up again. Maybe you have to get a certain body count for, uh, to, to clear this level to make the thing show up. But, uh, right. yeah, it shows up, and Spider-Man... Um, he, he, he's gonna try to, he's not gonna stay, Kill Raven asks if he wants to stay, he says he's got too much, uh, going on in the past, too many loose ends, so he's gonna try to get back. Yep. So he turns down his, uh, his job opportunity in 2019. Uh, he does, and, uh, we see him hop on the time platform, and it, it disappears into, uh, uh, Wherever it's going to go. Yep. Off he goes and uh, leaves Killraven behind to, I don't know, think about temporal continuum some more. I don't, I don't know what this version of Killraven is going to do. Um, he's going to go collect some war trophies. There you go. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, off he flies into the sunset, fades away. Killraven just walks off into the distance, you know, like the whole freaking Hulk at the end of the freaking show. And that that concludes the Marvel team-up. It, it finishes this team-up. There is still one issue left in this uh, story arc. He, uh, he meets another hero um, that's um, living in Marvel's future at that time. And it's a hero that we had talked about maybe going over that series eventually on the show, and that's Deathlock. Oh. So, yeah, he goes, he goes on an adventure with Deathlock. Uh, he then goes back to his own time. Like I guess I can remember either reading about this or hearing a recap on Marvel Noise of this uh, years ago, but uh, what I believe happens it's because I think that is a contradictory look at what or a possible future. So I think it leads... Mar- uh, Spider-Man to contemplate that the future's not written and that these are possible futures, but I might be making that up. Okay. Well, either which way it kind of works. Yeah. So what did you think? Well, um, it was a fun issue. You know, it was fun, unfortunately, uh, like like we both kind of said it, it was a little out of character for Kill Raven and a little out of character for freaking Spidey. Yes. You know, the whole punching Mary Jane in the face and killing everybody part. And Kill Raven being thoughtful and empathetic and almost intelligent sounding. Uh, like you said, it, it's somebody that was like very briefly kind of 
got the cliff notes on both the characters and then wrote them for the book. It was almost like there was a little bit of a personality swap where uh, Spider-Man was much quicker to violence and, like, Kill Raven, and Kill Raven was a bit more thoughtful, like Spider-Man. Maybe this was an alternate, alternate universe, you know? Maybe this was just a, a, a different freaking, continu- a different universe in the multiverse with a different Kill Raven that actually was a personable person. Well, we we do um, get exposed to different Kill Ravens throughout the the multiverse. There's there like he he makes several Marvel appearances, and they're not all the same Kill Raven. Ah, cool, cool. But yeah, he was again. This originally was supposed to be the Marvel six one six Kill Raven. However, that that gets retcon that this is not the Marvel, the future of the Marvel universe. Ah, well, I can't wait to see what happens next. I mean, what we've got like uh, how many more issues left in the Kill Raven run? Yeah, we're almost done. Yeah, then we move on to Star Trek, if I recall correctly. Correct. So yeah, yeah. we covered issue thirty six last episode. And right. issue 39 is the final one. Oh, boy. Man. Three more to go. There's three more. There's also, we talked about, because there's a graphic novel that's supposed to, uh, I I think I've read contradictory stuff online about if that's the same Kill Raven or not from the 19, it's, it, it was published in the 1980s. So if that is the same Kill Raven, or if that's a different uh, multiverse Kill Raven, there was a a series. I think it was from the early two thousands. That is definitely a different Kill Raven, and uh, there's a Kill Raven that appears in one of the Marvel Zombies runs, and then a Kill Raven that appears uh, in two thousand. I want to say two thousand thirteen or two thousand fourteen in the. Uh, I'm. I'll, it'll come to me in a second. I'm having a brain fart. Um, not the Defenders. Um, it'll come to me in a second. But yeah, he briefly makes an appearance. Okay. Well, cool. I have enjoyed Kill Raven thus far. And there's been some ups and downs. And lately, well, I don't know. I think for every issue that, that we, we come through... And we read it once or twice, and we look at it. We come at this come come to showtime. We're we're kind of a little down on it. Uh, between the two of us, we end up you know bagging the ideas and the issues in it back and forth enough that we both come out kind of liking it a little bit more generally. This is true. So I I, I will say it definitely has been a book series that has had more than meets the eye. And has been a little thought-provoking in some of the issues that it has raised. It was the Invaders. Sorry, that was going to drive me nuts. The Invaders. Ah, yes. Boom. Out of nowhere. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I've really enjoyed the Kill Raven stuff. I'm, I'm really excited to get to the Star Trek run. Yeah. And then, yeah, we're going to alternate uh, Godzilla and Star Trek. Yeah. Let's let's just get a mashup of Godzilla and Star Trek. That would be a fun uh, fun little crossover. <laughs> I can't wait. Like we were talking off air, there's a Star Trek uh, Transformers crossover that uh, looks really fun. A few years ago, there was a Star Trek Planet of the Apes crossover that was fucking awesome. 
Wow. I, I can't wait to see some of this stuff. I, I am very much looking forward to this uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture comic book run. That's, that's going to be great. How do you define unwarranted? Oh, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you define unwarranted? Uh, yes, that is exactly oh. how I define unwarranted. I do that to my wife all the time. She hates it. <laughs> I don't blame her. It's not going to be an unwarranted divorce, I can tell you that. <laughs> so, I had a lot of fun with this one. Um, if you're overjoyed that we're back, because I assume we're back if you're listening to this, uh, let us know at comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com. If you're mad at me for having the delay in our schedule, comicbookdungeonpodcast at gmail.com, let us know. Uh, reach out to us. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yeah, yeah. DM me on comicbookdungeon at, on Instagram. Yep. Yeah. Let us know and chew us out. Or maybe really this is just an alternate alternate universe where we got you know bogged down and other stuff and there's another timeline somewhere where we managed to keep everything running nicely on schedule let me just say if i saw a guy dressed in a spider-man costume appear in midair on a giant yellow platform i'm just gonna keep right on walking yeah it's a good i think just a good tip you don't yeah. want any part of that right so yeah it, you know just bear that in mind if you happen to be at the salem witch trials and you, you see Spider-Man, or if you happen to be in the future, oh my god, we are in 2019 now. Fuck. We are. We're in uh, 2019, where you're in the year of Killraven, the year of Blade Runner. Oh, shit. Oh, my mind just got blown. Just try to avoid time travelers at all time. If, like, a giant, muscular, naked dude comes to my house asking for, like, my clothes and a car, and he's looking for Sarah Con- I just, I don't want any of that. Yeah, no, I'm just going to throw my keys at him and run away. Yes. Yeah, guys, so, guys, gals, everyone. But uh, until next time, keep turning those pages. Correct. And just as a uh, little safety tip, um, or just remember, if you're ever in the future, apparently it's okay to kill anybody indiscriminately. It hasn't happened, so it doesn't matter. Good night, Even everybody. Even if it's someone you're dating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I have the same freaking arrangement on my phone. <laughs> it's like the, the Bruce Banner Lonely Man theme. That's exactly what it is. I love it. <laughs> good, uh, good night, everybody. Good night. <sighs> and that's a wrap indeed